You love the lightning bolt. And you love the team colors. But if you love the victory stripes, you love lightning hockey. Yes, sir! Past, present, and future. This is Victory Stripes with your host, Bobby Fitton, on Lightning Power Play. Welcome to Victory Stripes here on Lightning Power Play. I am Bobby Fenton. This is the pre-bye week edition of the show as the Lightning about to wrap up. I mean, a little more than technically the first half of their season if you go by games play. But if you use that big fat bye week and all-star break as the line of demarcation, then we are wrapping up the first half. The Lightning will play a back-to-back Starting tonight against the Wild on the road in Minnesota. It'll be an 8 p.m. faceoff, and it's NBC Sports Network, not the usual Sun Sports. And then they'll also play again on Friday night in Winnipeg. And then they don't play again for 10 days after that. And after Tuesday's game against the Kings that they won in a shootout, they will not be back at Amelie Arena now for three weeks. So... It's a six-game road trip they've got that they start tonight in Minnesota, but it's obviously not all at one trip as they'll do this back-to-back with Winnipeg. Then everybody's off. They can go home or whatever. Then another four-game road trip after that coming out of the break. So things are going to be picking up pretty much from here on in after this coming week. If you look at the schedule, it's three or four games every single week from here on in. Game after game after game, Lightning have finally started to make up the stagger as far as games played that they had for most of the season after that Sweden trip because there were so many off days surrounding that, although they still have games in hand over most everybody. And don't look now, although I'm sure you already have been looking. And Boston lost the other night when the Lightning won in the shootout. So Boston still has uh, two extra games played. The Lightning still have two games in hand over the Bruins. But as we sit this morning... With 60 points, the Lightning are six points back of the Bruins, again, with two games in hand. So let's give the Lightning a 500 record conservatively in those two extra games. And if you did that, it amounts to a four-point lead for Boston over the Lightning. Now, we'll see how that all goes. But the point is, things have tightened considerably. The Lightning continue to play well. The 10-game win streak did end over the weekend when they lost to the Devils up in New Jersey on Sunday. And that's okay. They tied a franchise-long 10-game win streak. It was all regulation wins. They didn't get any cheapo shootout wins or anything like that to pad the streak. Won them all in regulation, won them all straight up. And again, it ties a franchise record. And then they got the loss to New Jersey. Then coming back Tuesday night against the Kings team, you know, obviously whenever you're playing a team uh, from the other side of the country like that, it's not like the NFL where sometimes you get these 1 p.m. games and... If you look at the NFL numbers, whenever a West Coast team is playing like a 1 o'clock local time game on the East Coast, so it's like 10 o'clock on their own body clock time, their numbers against the spread historically are not very good. I'm not sure what the case with that is in hockey. I would need to have – I'm not sure if you can even look that up. But, you know, the Kings aren't necessarily formidable, and the Lightning got their loss out of the way. I liked the Lightning in that game Tuesday night, and they came out a little sluggish, as they've done from time to time, got down 2-0 very quickly. And then 
They were able to get Alex Kalorn, who's already almost to 20 goals, 19 goals now, looking to get to 20 for the first time in his career. And we've still got, you know, 30-some-odd games to go, 34 games to go. So he got the first goal, and a great move by Volkov, by the way. Alexander Volkov, let me say this. You know, he was up here when Maroon got hurt, and... You know, you can see the confidence he's building. That assist on the Kalorn goal, you know, Volkov was the one who got into the zone. He was heads up against Drew Doughty, the longtime veteran defenseman for the Kings. And Volkov put a nice inside move on him, then got the spin around to make the pass over to Kalorn. It was coming down on the left side, and Kalorn buried it for his 19th. But really impressive effort from both guys there. Nice to see that. And that got the Lightning back going. They ended up tying the game at 2 before, of course, giving up a power play goal in the third period that looked like it could very well be the game winner. And then, oh, they're going to lose 3-2. Then they get the puck in the back of the net with Cedric Paquette, who knocks it down with a high stick. And the call on the ice was that it was a high stick. It was immediately waved off. And on the replay, it was very close. But clearly in a situation like that, you knew whatever the call on the ice was was not going to be overturned. If they had let the goal go and then reviewed it after calling it a goal, they probably would have left it a goal too. And I think the referee, you know, it was so close, it was hard for the referee to be that emphatic to wave it off. I think because the puck hit, you know, down on Paquette's stick. Paquette had his stick up in the air, and it hit down the shaft. And I think the referee just assumed it hit the blade of the stick because that was well over the crossbar. And so he waved it off real quick. I think if he had seen it hit where it hit, which was actually down the shaft and pretty close to you know crossbar level, then maybe he lets it go. Either way, they didn't get that one, and then it's like, oh, man, you know that was their shot, and they're going to have to score again. And then Kucherov, just so savvy. It was good to see him, obviously, doing what he does anytime. But when you're down 3-2 like that, you need somebody to step up, make a play. And Brian Engblom, who is so good on Fox Sports Sun on the Lightning broadcast along with Rick Peckham, he had even pointed out before that, that Jonathan Quick for the Kings had made a couple of glove saves, like real good glove saves against Kucherov, and that he thought next time he might try and go high blocker side. Like Engblom called all of this before it happened, and that's exactly how Kucherov got the tying goal. So the Lightning get it to 3-3. Even had a power play going there into the overtime. And remember, power plays in overtime are like power play, like double power plays. I mean, they're both man advantages, but a five-on-four is much less of an advantage than a four-on-three. A four-on-three is almost as good as a five-on-three. Like, it's not really that different, but it's really having to do with how many guys the shorthanded team has on the ice. So if the shorthanded team has three, whether you have four or five isn't as important as them having three. And so you really have a good look there at four-on-three. Lightning could not get it to go. Then they played the rest of overtime at four-on-four because they never got a whistle, I don't believe. And so it goes to the shootout. And, of course, uh, the Lightning eventually do get the win. I don't care for shootouts. As you know, I consider the game a tie. But since we're going to give out two points anyway, and since the Kings are in the Western Conference and we don't care if they get an extra point, Lightning will take the two points. And it helped them gain ground on uh, Boston, who, by the way, okay, Boston, if you look at their – this doesn't matter that much, okay? And even if whoever wins the division probably doesn't matter that much. But since we're looking at the standings here, Boston, with their six-point lead on the Lightning, has 12 loser points right now. 12 in 48 games. The record in a season for the most loser points handed out by the NHL. It's three teams that hold it. 
with 18 overtime losses or shootout losses. You know, the, the systems have been changed a little bit because they even did uh, the overtime loss loser point even before the shootout existed. So they had that for a while, then the shootout. But anyway, point is, 18 is the record. Boston already has 12, and they're only a handful of games more than over the halfway point here. So if they keep up at this pace, and Boston is 0-7 in shootouts, they've got five other losses in OT. Lightning, uh, for their part, only have four loser points they've gotten all in overtime. They're 2-0 in the shootouts, and good for the Lightning, not just for being 2-0 in shootouts, but for playing as few shootouts as possible because they're lame, and I don't like watching them or seeing them. And so I'm glad that we got, you know, as few of those in front of us as possible so far this year. But the Lightning get a, get that extra point. They win 2-0, and hats off to them for fighting back there and getting that done. So if you want to email me, I always love hearing from you guys. The email address is bobbygameday at yahoo.com. That's B-O-B-B-Y-G-A-M-E-D-A-Y at yahoo.com on Twitter. You can get me at bobbygameday. And things, like I said, are, are starting to get... A little more into focus now. If you want to look at the advanced numbers, which we always do on this show, and I encourage all of you, I'm not trying to cause a philosophical sea change in your mind or anything here, but it's one of the ways that you can look not just behind at how your team has played, but predictively. I mean, wins and losses are whatever they are, and the standings say whatever they say, and they should say that. But I'm not trying to tell you, oh, they really won when they lost or they really played well when they you know, won or whatever. You know, the point is, can we look ahead? What do we know from this team's first X amount of games? In this case, it's 46 for the Lightning. That can tell us what we've really got here besides just looking at their record. Now, the record has started to creep up and up and up. Obviously, a 10-game win streak will do that for you. But it's starting to get to the point where you know, it's matching those numbers. And in every morning, like I tell you all this all the time, every single morning, Sean Tierney over at Charting Hockey on Twitter, at Charting Hockey, he'll, it's not every morning, actually. He does it every other, every couple days or something like that. He updates it. But he'll put out his charts detailing every team in the league's performance, both for some individual games and things like that, as, as far as their whole season for all these different categories. And the Lightning... I mean, if you look at their numbers as far as expected goals for and expected goals against, those are the two most basic hockey analytical stats you can see. And the differential, basically the good teams have more expected goals and, and fewer expected goals allowed, and the worst teams allow or should have allowed more and should have scored or didn't score as many as they should have. All right, the Lightning have the biggest differential in the Eastern Conference between expected goals and expected goals allowed, even more so than the Capitals do. Boston, in the meantime, looks a lot more like a team just hanging around the midline of the league. And there's some random ups and downs and things like that. But the general trend is right around that midline, whereas the Lightning, and again, especially, not just the 10-game win streak, by the way. I mean, that was obviously a good thing. But even before that, going back to around Thanksgiving, the line's been creeping up and up and up and up and up and up. And so what you're seeing is expected. And Andre Vasilevsky is a big part of that because we talked about this on many shows before that. One of the big variables that you see between what you see in real life, where the Lightning win a game 2-1 or lose a game 3-1 or whatever the score might have been, and then you look at the advanced numbers, and all oh, the Lightning dominated that game at 5-on-5. Five five. And that's what these numbers are all based on is 5-on-5 five because five, there's a lot more randomness with the power plays and things like that. And they're obviously a big part of the game. Nobody's saying power plays don't matter. But when you see 
the numbers say one thing and the actual results don't, a lot of the times it's goaltending that a team allowed more goals than really the shots they faced would have dictated because the goalie didn't make the saves or the other way around. They didn't play very well. Another team may have had, you know, 4.3 expected goals for the game. They only scored one or two. That was because the goaltending bailed them out. So the Lightning were not getting what they needed from Vasilevsky for all this time. And he started to also regress to the mean positively. Of course, he had the two shutouts over the past week since our last show. In addition to the shootout one over the Kings, the Lightning had the loss to the Devils, uh, which uh, Vasilevsky played pretty well in, or excuse me, uh, McElhenney. And then they had the two back-to-back shutouts uh, that were Vasilevsky. The win over Philly, 1-0, and the 4-0 loss to Arizona. And then McElhenney did not, by any means, like give the game to the Devils or something. He played pretty well. Then Vasilevsky came back, had that shutout streak going. It was broken in the first period. I think it ended up being like 150 minutes or somewhere right along those lines that uh, he lost the shutout streak. But two back-to-back wins with Arizona last Thursday and uh, Philadelphia the Tuesday before that. And now he gets another win as he approaches the uh, team record for uh, consecutive wins. He had nine straight right now. He's looking for more. And actually, it's Louis Domingue who has the record right now that he set last season. And he's the one who was the opposing goalie in the one that broke the team's winning streak when they lost to the Devils over the weekend. So my point is the Lightning are starting to look and have been starting to look like one of the better teams in the league. And you know we still have a long way to go now with was it 36 games left? I mean, with it, if you're one of those people, and some people are really, really hardcore, and they eat, sleep, and breathe this stuff from the very moment the puck drops. Obviously, here at Lightning Power Play, we're like that. We cover everything. And if you take the whole stable of talent we have, both on the shows, our reporters, of course, you hear Dave Mishkin on Lightning Power Play doing the play-by-play, Greg Linelli, Kaylee Chelios, Eric Erlinson, who's been covering this team for years and years and years, knows him better than anybody. You know, all, we're all in there every day. But some people, you know, football season's finally ending, Super Bowl's coming up. It's going to be time to turn our attention more wholeheartedly. And we see that at Lightning Power Play as, you know, listening numbers go up and up and up. And, of course, you're getting closer to the playoffs. So, fine, here we are. The season starts now, and you could say that almost after every game. Okay, the, the, the rest of the season starts right now. But now is the home stretch, even though it doesn't feel quite that way yet. There's still three full months to go until the end of the regular season. But if you think of it in terms of other sports, like, uh, you know, we're, we're more than halfway through in terms of a hockey season. But uh, for a football season, this is about near the beginning mark of a season. So now here we go. Three, four games a week, straight through, whatever it is. I think it's 12 straight weeks, and things will start to shake themselves out. So there's still a long, long way to go. There's still no way to look at the standings and tell what kind of playoff matchups there are going to be or things like that. But there was a worry early in the season that there wasn't going to be playoff matchups and that, they, oh, you got to make the playoffs first. And all this, are you worried about the lightning stuff was coming out? And you heard all the chirping about John Cooper, which you don't hear now. And it was silly that you ever heard that. But you heard it, you know? And there was a whole thing on Twitter. Hey, listen, I know it's early, but folks, dude, how long are we going to say it's early? How long are we going to say it's early? As long as it's early. And in the NHL, it's early until damn game 80, 81, 82, okay? It really is. Like, it really is. As long as you're like not going to miss the playoffs, which I was never worried about, and the Lightning certainly are not going to miss the playoffs, then it's always early. And that's, that doesn't mean none of this matters, but, I mean, you know, 
Keep it in perspective. We're going to do that on this show. We kept it in perspective when it wasn't going well. We're not going to go crazy here now that it's going better. And I don't know how you know, the Lightning could fall back off again and, and you know back down into the standings, lower seating, whatever. Or they could keep charging ahead and dominate the Atlantic and all that. I have no idea what's going to happen. But the point is, whatever it is, we're going to react to it appropriately. We're going to try to look at it intelligently and get as much of a read as possible. So... Again, two games left before the big break. Everybody gets all this time off. Then it's, it's hard charging all the way in when we come back. So stay with us. We'll take our first break here on the show. There are a few things I want to get to on the show today. And aside, uh, aside from just the lightning, of course, we'll look ahead to the game against Minnesota and, and Winnipeg in the back-to-back here. Nasty little back-to-back up there in the, uh, I don't want to say the Northwest, but the... Uh, I guess it's the upper Midwest is maybe the the proper term for it. But anyway, we'll talk about that on the show today. We will look at uh, what happened in Vegas with the Golden Knights firing Coach Gerard Gallant, which was kind of a surprise. Not kind of a surprise. It was a big surprise. They've been one of the better teams, according to the analytics. And they've also had a pretty good season in the standings as well. But maybe that performance hasn't quite matched what the expectations would be, considering, you know, what you ought to be seeing. I don't know. We'll talk about it because I was very surprised. By that, we'll talk about the All-Star game a little bit. The NHL has come up with a plan, uh, something new that hasn't been done before that they're going to try for the skills competition and things like that, and some other things I want to get to as well. So again, email me if you want to. BobbyGameDay at Yahoo.com is the email address, B-O-B-B-Y-G-A-M-E-D-A-Y at Yahoo.com. On Twitter, at BobbyGameDay, I'm Bobby Fenton. First segment in the books, we're charging ahead here on Victory Stripes, here on Lightning Power Play. Wave your arms in the air like you care. I don't know what we're yelling about! About your victory stripes. Loud noises! This is Victory Stripes with Bobby Fenton on Lightning Power Play. All right, welcome back to Victory Stripes here on Lightning Power Play. Middle segment of the show. Got a game tonight, a little after 8 o'clock on NBC Sports Network. Lightning and Wild, and it's the first of a back-to-back in which the Lightning will go play the Winnipeg Jets after that. Then it's 10 days off, and then it's more road games after that, and all told, three weeks between home games with last uh, the other day, Tuesday's win over the Kings in the shootout, and then they'll take on Vegas and their new coach when they come back in a few weeks. Now, Peter DeBoer just got hired by Vegas. This all happened yesterday. First of all, Gerard Gallant getting fired was a big surprise to me and a lot of people around the league. And... Then, of course, going to their arch-rival's old coach who just got fired himself by that team earlier this year. And Gallant does not like divorce. Like, it's kind of interesting that they went and hired him. And he's a good coach. He's well-known. Every time he's gone to a new place in San Jose, the last two times he's gone to a new place in San Jose and New Jersey, had both of those teams in the Stanley Cup Finals that year. This is a Vegas team that can absolutely do that. And... So I know this is a long way off with the Lightning playing against them, but I thought it was interesting with the way all that happened yesterday. And it goes back to the numbers. I've really gotten, and you can tell if you've listened to this show, I've really gotten more into the analytics side of hockey this year. A lot of it's because of this show and some of the research I do and trying to figure out more things about our team, the Lightning, and just generally trying to understand things better. And part of what made me start looking at that stuff more is that, I mean, hockey is so random. I think a lot of times, I mean, this is not just true for sports, but in life in general, I think a lot of times people have a hard time accepting 
the randomness of life, and we all want to be able to explain why things happen. Whenever anything happens, no matter what it is, we always want to be able to point and say, well, that happened because of this or that. We want to feel like there's order in the world. We want to believe there's a good reason why everything happens. And honestly, there are not good reasons why many, 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 many things happen. So hockey, of all the sports, I think it, it, if it's not the most random, it has to be one of the most. I mean, if you look at football, yeah, you're going to get games sometimes where a team, you know, they got out gained by so-and-so yards or whatever, or they didn't play that well, but they still got some tur turnovers are a pretty random thing in football. I think that's one variable. But for the most part in football, you know, it, it's very rare you leave a game and say, oh, man, I can't believe how much we outplayed those guys and still lost the game. You know, it does happen again with some fluky turnovers every once in a while. Baseball, same thing. I mean, baseball's pretty cut and dried. It's a pitcher-on-hitter game. The defense, everything else behind that does matter. But it's not like, oh, man, how did we lose that baseball? You know, usually there's a direct reason why you won or lost a game. And again, there's flukes in every sport. But hockey, and this is what the analytics, you know, you, you can look at. Hockey, just knowing what happened in a game as far as here's the final score, here's the summary of goals, here's a, that tells you almost nothing about the actual game, honestly, even though that's all that matters and you want to know, oh, who scored the goals? Well, we won 3-2, who had the goal? How many shots did we allow a goal? That stuff is just like a fraction of what actually happens in a hockey game, but so much of it goes back and forth without any actual consequence on the scoreboard. So when you have a team like we did last year that's so good, and does all those things in the regular season, and then they end up flaming out in the playoffs, and one of the still to this, I, I, what are we, it has been like eight months now, and I still can't wrap my head around what happened last April. But the point is, that happens, and then you try and convince yourself, wait a minute, we're still good, right? Like, I know some people after the playoffs last year, they wanted to, like, completely clean house, and then there was a lot of people on Twitter, and everything's raw those first, you know, few hours, first few days, first few weeks, but... There was a lot of people out there like, oh my god, we just did. this team as it is right now might be built for the regular season, but they're not built for the playoffs and ah, you know. And <clears throat> there may be a little bit of truth to that. I'm not sure, although they have made some changes this year, but honestly, it, it, it might have just been random, you know? And then you come out this year, almost the same team, again, a few changes, and they play pretty poorly, or at least I should say they get poor results in the first whatever it was, quarter of the season, third. And they kind of didn't seem like themselves, and you know, you're thinking, oh man, like how psychologically damaged are they from what happened here? And then now they start playing better and better, and they look like the team that you would expect them to look like based on what we know about this group of guys, and based on what they've done historically, not just last season, but in the past several years, and based on who's still here, which is most of the people. So, you look at analytics... And they'll tell you, oh, well, you know, here's how they actually played. I know what happened on the scoreboard. No one's trying to change that. But here's what happened when they actually played. Well, Vegas just fired their coach. And honestly, I mean, they're a really good team. And they're actually probably getting, they're probably firing their coach because they think they should be getting better results than what they've gotten. And they should. That's definitely true. It's just that it doesn't appear like the coaching is the reason why. If you look... I'm not going to go like nuts with this, but if you look at all these different numbers, all these expected goals for expected goals against this, that, and the other, Vegas is the best team, has played like the best team in the Western Conference altogether, okay? And if you look at the standings, it's not like they're like tanking or something. I mean, they're right now, they're technically 
on the outside looking in at a playoff spot, but they are tied with both wildcard teams. There's three teams with 54 points, and they are one of them. And they've got a couple games they've played. They, the other teams have games in hand, so they're right now behind in the tiebreaker. But honestly, they got 54 points. The second best team in the entire Western Conference has 58. That's four points. So and if you go by points percentage, again, since they've played more games, it gets a little worse. But I mean, this is like a three-game winning streak away from like leading the division practically, okay? Not even that. They're three points out of the division lead. So it's all jumbled up, and you probably can't read too much into it. But if you look at their, and Sean Tierney at Sharding Hockey calls them expected goals daggers because he graphs a line of expected goals for, then he graphs a line that's parallel that's expected goals against, and if the dagger is really sharp one way or the other, that means one of the lines is way longer than the other, and obviously that can be good or bad. If the goals for line is way longer than the goals against line, you get a nice sharp positive goal share dagger, which is good. And if it's the other way, it's negative. So the best one in the entire National Hockey League, I think I'm looking close here. It's very close. There's two of them, okay? The Lightning and Vegas. So those are two best teams based on expected goal differential, expected goals for, expected goals against. Straight up, all right? And the Lightning are starting to see results as far as what they've been doing, Vegas is still right there. But if you go by the most expected regression, in this case I mean positive regression, but going forward, the highest expected positive regression of all the teams in the NHL, it's Vegas. Like they're expected to see the most improvement in what their actual results are compared to what they're getting based on how they've played. And so here's what I'll bet you happens. They are going to get better. Like they're going to start winning more. This is going to even out. They're a good team. They're too good to be a middling team. And when that happens, everyone's going to say, oh, DeBoer turned him around. And I'm not diminishing the influence of his coaching in any way. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. But my point is, when if that happens, when it happens, that's what everyone's going to say. Oh, Peter DeBoer, that's what they needed was that kick in the pants. And in reality, I think Gallant just got unlucky. And if you look at the numbers, I mean, their puck possession is third in the league, okay? They are first by a wide margin in expected goals at 5-on-5, five five, like I just told you. They're 12th in actual goals. They have the number 24 shooting percentage. Shooting percentage is somewhat based on talent, but a lot of that's random. Shooting percentages usually hover a little under 10%, and if you're lower than that, you're probably just getting bad puck luck, and you're going to start scoring more. And they're low. They're second in the AHL in scoring chances generated, though. But 22nd in goal scored percent. You see what I'm saying here? Do you see all these things that you're supposed to do, they're good at, and the results you're supposed to get from those things that you do, they're not good at for some reason? And a lot of that's randomness. And one thing that's hurting them, Marc-Andre Fleury, common theme there. We've talked about that with the Lightning, Vasilevsky. Marc-Andre Fleury has been very, very ordinary. His goals saved above averages in the negatives, negative 2.43. And backup Malkin Subban is also bad. He's almost near 5, minus 4.69. That's bad. And so, again, these are all things that have hurt their chances that are not really, in my opinion, Gallant's fault. Now, look, any coach, I mean, it happened to DeBoer in San Jose. The message can wear thin if they think that's happening. Then even if the coach himself isn't necessarily at fault, and even if he's a hell of a hockey coach, which DeBoer is and still got fired, which Gallant probably is too, then you're still going to get fired. So that's what happened there. And, you know, 
again, I expect Vegas to continue to be a threat, and I expect uh, a lot of the credit to go DeBoer's way if and when that happens. As for the Lightning, you know, this is the same thing that we, I'm glad that, you know, some people on Twitter didn't want to do it, but I'm glad that the organization never even entertained it, that, you know, John Cooper's being afforded that now. The Lightning have been pretty good this season, even in the parts when they didn't seem all that good. Overall, they've been pretty good, and now it's starting to come out in the wash. BobbyGameDay at Yahoo.com is my email address, B-O-B-B-Y-G-A-M-E-D-A-Y at Yahoo.com on Twitter. Same thing. You can get me at BobbyGameDay. Lightning taking on the Wild tonight. Speaking of the Wild, I was talking about those expected goals, Daggers. Let's look at those. The Minnesota Wild, a pretty good hockey team. If you look at their place in the standings, you know, they're right around it right now. They're not in a playoff spot, but everything's so jumbled up. I mean, I shouldn't say they're right around it, but they are at 46 points, 8 points out of a playoff spot. That's not right around it. I, sh- I probably spoke too soon, but they're still in this. And it's so early, but they are 20 up, 20 down, and 6 overtime losses. And if you just look at the standings, you say, okay, that's just a mediocre hockey team. They're not all that good. If you look at the charts, if you're into that sort of thing, they actually, through all of it, have a positive uh, share of expected goals. Their expected goals for is higher than their expected goals against. It stands at third in the Central and fifth overall in the Western Conference. So they haven't gotten exactly the bargain they hoped for. And yet, again, that's something to be aware of. That's what I told you about Ottawa. When we lost to Ottawa that earlier in the year up there, and then the Lightning beat them after that, but that was a hard-fought game, and everyone's like, oh, you got to beat a team like that. Hey, Ottawa ain't bad, okay? They're not great, but they're not as bad as their spot in the standings would have you believe. And this goes for tomorrow, too, with Winnipeg. Winnipeg, if you look at the standings, you say, okay, Winnipeg's not great, but, I mean, they're just kind of, okay, they're in a playoff spot right now. They're one of those teams tied with Vegas at 54 points. Winnipeg is bad, okay? Connor Hellebuck is really, really good, and he's making them look good right now. If he continues to do that, then great. But Winnipeg has numbers at 5-on-5 that mirror the Red Wings. They're actually worse than the Red Wings. That's not a great hockey team. And it's a good hockey team with a good goaltender. Now, playing them on a back-to-back. Well, we play them on a back-to-back. I don't think they're on a back-to-back. So, uh, let me see here at the schedule for tonight for everybody else. Because um, if they are, then we could get the backup, which would help. And I don't see them having a game here tonight. So, yeah, that would have helped. But anyway... You know, the goaltending's been propping that team up quite a bit. That's a team that has really struggled. Uh, we'll see what the Lightning are able to do. But that's tomorrow night. Tonight, the Lightning taking on the Minnesota Wild. And again, it's a tough road trip. It's a place the Lightning have had some uh, hard times winning in, in recent years. I don't know how much that matters carrying over from year to year. But this is one of those back-to-backers that, and those are always tough. You know, I'm not saying I'm ever happy to lose a game if they won one and lost one, I wouldn't be terribly surprised. I uh, wouldn't ter- be terribly upset. You'd love to get maybe three of the four points if possible or or win them both. I don't know. We'll see. That's what the fun of it all is. And that's going to be, again, a game you can hear on Lightning Power Play. Dave Mishkin will be on the call along with Kaylee Chelios. And then you've got, in the lead up to the game, Greg Linnelli, Eric Erlinson, the whole crew all the way here on Lightning Power Play all the way up until the end. So I'm going to take a little break here. I want to talk more on the other side. Uh, as it relates to what I was just saying about goaltending, there was an interesting article written this week about, you know, you know the Capitals are going to face this with Braden Holtby coming up. 
These long-term, big-money contracts for goaltenders, are they worth it? Are you doing damage to your franchise? Are you hamstringing them in other areas by committing long-term to goalies when you probably don't have to? I shouldn't say probably. We'll talk about whether probably applies. You know, are goaltenders starting to become more like running backs in the NFL where you can get a guy and be just as successful with a guy that you just went out and got as opposed to some franchise guy you have to sign for many years and many, many dollars and all that. It was an interesting look at it. I want to talk about it on the other side. We'll talk about that. The All-Star Game, like I had mentioned before, trying this new thing with the uh, trick shots and all that stuff. We'll talk about that and some other things as well. Stay tuned. We'll be back. Middle segment in the books, and we've got one more to go here on Victory Stripes here on Lightning Power Play. Just because he has posters of Rob Zamner in his bedroom doesn't make him creepy. <clears throat> well, I, I could be wrong. Lightning hockey. Past, present, and future. Go back to then. When? Now. Now? Now. I can't. Why? We missed it. When? Just now. This is Victory Stripes with Bobby Fenton on Lightning Power Play. Welcome back to Victory Stripes here on Lightning Power Play. Bobby Fenton with you. Final segment of the show. The Lightning are up in Minnesota. They'll take on the Wild tonight. It'll be a little after 8 o'clock. It's NBC Sports, so, you know, it's nice to be on national TV every once in a while. If it was up to me, Rick Peckham and Brian Engblom would be calling everything all the time. But, you know, again, and it's also nice when they're playing a team like Minnesota or somebody out of the usual realm of what NBC Sports Network puts on television, which is almost always like mid-Atlantic teams like Washington or Philadelphia or Pittsburgh or the Rangers. Or, you know, they're always or the Blackhawks or another one. But So I'll, I'll take a lightning wild. And I like the 8 o'clock start. I tell you guys all the time, you know, I know they moved the face-offs at home down this year from 7.30 to a little after 7. It used to be like 7.37 they would drop the puck and then, now it's like a little after 7. So as a viewer at home, which is where I'm at a lot of the time, I, mean, I go to the games too, but a lot of the times I'm at home, and with kids' bedtimes and stuff, I mean, I'm coming down. So I'm trying to follow the game while I'm doing bath and bedtime, which is anybody who with small kids knows just how brutal that period from right when you finish dinner, then you need bath and bed. And maybe my kids are just too needy. You know, and they're starting to get older now. I can start having them do more stuff for themselves. But my God, what a brutal 90-minute stretch or so that is. And that's the problem. It shouldn't even be 90 minutes. So I'll take a little extra time on the back end because I'm a night owl anyway. And I think a nice, whatever it is, 8-10 start. Have a game going from 8-10 till about 10-30, 10-45. That's right in my wheelhouse. Watch the game. Game ends. Go to bed. And then same thing uh, tomorrow night, Friday. It's going to be in Winnipeg as the Lightning take on a Jets team that has not played well this year, but still finds themselves, thanks and for the most part to really good goaltending, finds themselves in a situation where they are right in the thick of the playoff race. So, talking about evaluating players, talking about goaltending here. In the uh, last segment, I had mentioned how there was an article written on The Athletic this week, and it was about mainly about looking at the Capitals, who have a big decision coming up with Braden Holtby. They just signed Backstrom to a big, big deal here in the last few days. Obviously, they've got still the nucleus of that team with Ovechkin and now uh, Backstrom locked up. But then there's Holtby, and he's the next one they have to make a decision on. And Holtby, obviously, has been very good for them, helping them win a Stanley Cup. And if you look at what Holtby's done, I mean, he's basically been the backbone of their team for several seasons now and has been a top-tier starter in the league. 
since 2012, which is back when Holtby made his first playoff start. Only two other goaltenders, Lundqvist and Jonathan Quick, have had more goals saved above expected in the postseason than Holtby has, and the playoffs are where it all counts. And so we know he's been very good, but... If you go to 2014 to 2016, he was still right at his peak, saved a million goals over expected allowed. So it was way above that. Only Carey Price was better in that time. But since then, in the three seasons since 2016, he's only saved three goals above expected. That's very average. It's 24th in the league. And it's even behind his current backup, uh, who has been uh, actually pretty good this season, has more saved above expectation this season alone than Holtby has the past couple years. And so, if you look at these numbers, and last season Holby was really good. And the season before that, you know, he's basically sandwiched a good year last year between two years that weren't so great. And he's starting to look a little more ordinary. He's also in his early 30s now, and you're going to re-sign him now to a long deal that takes him into his late 30s. I don't know if this type of stuff is worth it. And the article here, I want to credit it properly, it was written on The Athletic by Dom LeCision, and I think I'm pronouncing that right, but if I'm not, you know, Dom is one of those guys who I follow on Twitter, I love his analytics stuff, I've read his name like many, many, many times, I don't think I've ever heard his name spoken out loud, I've just read it all the time, so if I'm mispronouncing it, my mistake, but he wrote this article, and he takes a look at some precedent with three recent teams who have made big-time goaltender signings, and you might be thinking, well, I think the Lightning are one of those. And you're right. There have been three teams over the last three years that have signed long-term deals in that $10 million per season range. Carey Price had an eight-year deal at $10.5 million per year, which he signed uh, a year and a half ago. Bobrovsky, same thing this past summer, uh, paying him $10 million per. And then, obviously, Andre Vasilevsky, same thing, $9.5 million per over eight years. And on... You know, face value, I mean, hey, those are all three good goaltenders. Their teams all need them. You know, let's shore up the net, build from the net out, although any cliche you want to have, and let's do it. No-brainer, right? And they've all done it. And so, since then, let's see what's been going on. I mean, Price, nobody's arguing, was the best goaltender in the world for several years in the build-up to getting that deal. He won the Hart Trophy. Not just the Vezina, but the Hart Trophy is the league MVP has had a save, or had had a save percentage above 920 for four straight years. He did it all in front of a Canadian's defense that he saw a lot of rubber against, or, or not against, but a, a lot of rubber as a result of being behind. And then Bobrovsky, Vezina Trophy winner. Vasilevsky, Vezina Trophy winner. Also two straight seasons above 920. But then, Price has been, again, pretty ordinary right after this happened. And he signed this extension a full year before it kicked in. He still had one year on his old contract. And in that year, that sandwich year, he was pretty bad. I mean, not pretty bad, but pretty average and average to kind of bad. He had a 900 save percentage that was second and la- second to last in a goal saved above expected. So yeah, bad. Bounced back with a better year last year, which was the first year of the new deal. And then this year again, he's not playing very well. He's 33rd in the league in save percentage, but forget about that. Let's go to goal save above expected. He's eight and a half underwater, and that's 49th in the league. And Vasilevsky, for his part, like I told you before, has gotten better. He was pretty bad for a while. He's still below average, but his numbers are creeping up again on a game-by-game basis. So anyway, two of the last three years have been pretty weak for Carey Price. He's been what I call a jag 
A JAG is not a dirty term or anything. It just stands for just another guy. But he's not just another guy in the salary cap. He's making $10 million per year. So it's a bad contract for Montreal right now. And Dom does a great job pointing all this out in the article. And then Bob Rosky, same thing with the Panthers. He's in his first year with them. So it's not like this has been a huge sample size yet. But it's not having a great year. Fifth worst goal saved above expected. It's minus 14. His save percentage is under 900. And again, that contract doesn't look great right now. Vasilevsky, of course, starting to play a lot better lately. And I'm not saying the Lightning shouldn't have signed this contract because you need goaltenders, but the point of this is, you know, if you watch football, if you follow football at all, you've seen the change football has undergone as far as the running game. And you see all the time, I mean, you saw this last year with the Rams, or Todd Gurley, how good he is. Oh, man, Todd Gurley. And then he got hurt, and they brought in C.J. Anderson, who was like, you know, looked like a guy in my semi-pro football league that I play. And, you know, he really filled out that uniform. He's older. And after a while, Gurley came back, but Anderson had been so good, they were like, yeah, we're still going to kind of ride Anderson a little bit here. It's just so random. It goes back to that word again, random. And it was like, oh, man, how are they going to do this without Gurley? They lost Gurley. They didn't miss a beat. Anderson was really good. In fact, he was better in some ways. And like I said, even after Gurley was available to them again, they kind of said, oh, well, you know, we can use two backs then. And that doesn't mean that Anderson's better than Gurley overall. But it's what I'm saying. It's just hot and cold. Sometimes these guys are good. Sometimes they're not. If And Dom Lucision puts this in the article. He states it perfectly. If you sign, like, a big-time, flashy, like, scoring, you know, front-line guy, a center or a winger, and you put him in your lineup, he's going to score. He's going to probably do the things that he's been doing that you sign him to do. If you sign a stud blue liner and just put him out there, plug and play, he's going to change your defense while he's on the ice. He's, you're going to see results. You sign a goaltender, though? It could be the guy you thought you were signing. It could be somebody else. You really cannot tell. And, and again, football is like that with running backs and with kickers. And we've been through this whole thing with the Bucks twice now, okay? But, oh man, Roberto Aguayo is not just an ordinary kicker. He's that good. And he was in college, okay? They draft him. Not only was he just another guy, that would have been kindly. If he had been a jag, that would have been enough. He was worse than that. And they blow a second-round pick, release him, and end up going with a jag for their kicker that year. I can't remember who it was by now. The Bucks have had so many kickers. Then they do it again with Matt Gay last year. It wasn't as high as a second-round pick. It was a fifth-round pick. But they still use another draft pick on Matt Gay. No, no, this guy, he's got a howitzer for a leg. There aren't other guys like him. Okay, fine, whatever. And it's been shown, by the way, Thomas Bassinger, my good friend at the Tampa Bay Times, has demonstrated this in some of the numbers he's run that kicker does not make that much of a difference for a football team. It makes a difference, obviously, in a certain situation, a certain game where there's a game-winning field goal attempt. But again, on the whole, the best teams don't have the best kickers, and the best kickers aren't the best kickers every year, and it's just all very random. So the more random something is, the less money you should throw at it, because you can probably get similar results with you know market value guys, cut rate guys, guys you get off the street. I don't mean just literally anybody, but you get my point. Guys that you don't have to give up any capital to acquire, whether it be financial capital or just actually getting them, like with draft picks or whatever. So, same thing with running backs, same thing with kickers, and now it looks like maybe same thing with goaltenders. And It's not that goaltending isn't important, it obviously is. It's that you 
can't rely on goaltending to be consistent. See, people think, oh, he's saying goaltending doesn't matter. Are you kidding me? No, no, not saying it doesn't matter. Saying it can't really be properly evaluated the way other positions can because it doesn't always, again, random. And Vasilevsky's really good, okay? I'm not saying he's not. But if you look at the Lightning, Raw Charge wrote a great article about this. I I don't know if I'll have time to get to this today, but I'll probably do this maybe next week or the week after. The Lightning have had, and this goes back several years now, in the goaltending department, average to slightly below average goaltending. I don't just mean this year. I mean over several years, okay? Looking back at their goaltending, going back as far as the 13-14 season, the Lightning have actually been better defensively than they've been given credit for. People talk about how their defense let them down. And listen, a lot of that is because teams don't want to blame their goaltender. They always say, oh, well, we had some defensive mistakes. But honestly, they've been an above-average defensive team and a below-average goaltending team for a while now, okay? That's a, that's a numerical fact. And I'm not saying this to bash Vasilevsky. I'm saying you can't, there's no rhyme or reason to any of these things. And so it's something that's worth looking at going forward. I mean, you're thinking, oh, the Capitals, of course they're going to re-sign Holby. Give him whatever he wants. Look what he's done for them. And sometimes teams pay for things, honestly, that are already have happened. You know, sometimes you pay somebody, it's not for what you think they'll do, even though I don't know why teams do this, but they do. Like, hey, this guy is a Stanley Cup winner, Vezina Trophy, blah, blah, blah. Well, he already did that in a result contract. What We're paying him now. $10 million a year for the next, whatever, seven, eight years for what he's going to do. Are you expecting that kind of output for the next seven to eight years? I would not with any goaltender that day, but especially knowing what we know. So it's something to keep an eye on. Caps will probably do it, but, you know, in a salary cap situation, it's, it's baseball, you know, that type of situation will be different because who cares? That's why the Yankees and Red Sox and Dodgers and Cubs and all these teams can do what they do. But when you have to manage a number and manage a roster within that number and a big chunk goes to the goaltending like that, it can hurt you in other places that actually do have more consistency and can be more properly evaluated on a year-to-year basis. So, anyway, didn't get a chance to get to the All-Star. I can do the All-Star game thing real quick. We have a little bit of time. The All-Star game, basically, for the skills competition, they're going to have guys like shooting pucks from the stands, shooting pucks over crowd members, you know, like putting a target on the ice, then having a guy go up to like the tunnel on the third level and shooting it down onto the ice, trying to hit the target and stuff like that. Which, hey, you know what? Kudos to them. Everything they've done, they've been doing for a while, and I was not incentivized to watch it. I really wasn't all that interested in any of the skill stuff. It's been done to death. Now I am interested to see people shooting the puck from tunnels onto the ice I don't know how many of you guys know the Dude Perfect guys, but they're if you have kids, you probably know them because they're a huge YouTube sensation. They're all multimillionaires now, but they're just this group of college buddies, actually maybe high school buddies, that got together and started doing trick shots in their pool in the backyard and grew it into this thing where they do, I mean, they do some crazy amazing stuff and it is real. Like they figure out a way to get it done and, and they're very talented. I give them credit, but it's kind of like that. So that'll be something... Looking ahead to All-Star Week, and we'll talk more about that uh, down the road, you know. But as for now, 
Lightning Wild tonight. Stay with Lightning Power Play all day. You don't need to be anywhere else. They're going to be uh, here, on the, of course, on this station, the play-by-play -play with Dave Mishkin and Kaylee Chelios. If you're watching on TV, it's on NBC Sports Network a little after 8 o'clock. Greg Linelli, Eric Erlinson, they'll all be along with you. Thanks to them. Thanks to Steve Versnick for putting this show on the air. And thanks to all of you as we finish up, again, the unofficial first half of the season. With the All-Star break coming up next, the Lightning two games tonight and tomorrow, and then 10 days off. Enjoy it all, just like the players should. Hopefully you do too. It's a little lull in the calendar. I need my hockey, though, especially now that football is ending. We need sports, so let's get this bye week out of the way, and let's get in that groove all the way until the end. Until I talk to you next time, though, thanks to all of you for listening. That is Victory Stripes for Week 16 of the National Hockey League season. And Lightning Wild tonight. Enjoy it. Let's hope we get a W out of it. And wherever you are, good morning, good afternoon, good night, and let's go Lightning.